but cranberry is a little red tart fruit with a big punch, and Wisconsin produces more of this berry than any other state. But the timing of the harvest depends on the berry and even the location. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. David Bartling, owner of Bartling's Manitowish Cranberry Company, says they finished harvest two weeks ago. He explains what it's like growing cranberries so far north in the state and the conservation efforts in place that helped him to be a 2023 Wisconsin-Leopold Conservation Award finalist. So we have uh, just under 200 acres in Manitowish Waters, which is northern Wisconsin. And we've been here since my great-grandparents cleared the land and started planting or building beds and infrastructure in the 1940s. So now my brother and I want to manage it and, uh, and try to improve upon what they started. What got your family into this business? Uh, I wish I had a good answer for you, but uh, from what I understand, uh, it was the idea of doing something better for, for themselves and for their family. They moved up to northern Wisconsin from central Wisconsin, where there are some cranberry farms, and they had a couple um, really good friends that were just in the business or you know starting in their business, and they kind of and landed on this area in northern Wisconsin because there's plenty of water and, um, and good soil, and there's native cranberries in the area as well. As you mentioned, you guys are pretty north. So being that location, do you have to have a special variety of cranberry to grow? Does it affect differently in that sense, in that soil, that weather variety that you're getting? No, same same varieties. I'm currently sitting in an excavator. We're going to renovate a bed to plant a um, earlier variety in the spring, taking out an older variety um, right now. But it's the same varieties. It's just a shorter growing season. So it's you know, really cold winters and a lot more snow, so that can have an effect. And also in the fall, the snow comes earlier than central Wisconsin, so you don't have the growing degree days like they do to, to set buds for next year's growth. So our crops might not be as big every year, but um, we also do have more sunlight, a little more sunlight in the peak of the summer, so it uh, somewhat evens out. Being this hard north, the winter is so hard and harsh, the, the pest pressure is lower. There's some bugs in central Wisconsin that like inchworm type of animals that uh, either eat the eat the vine or possibly the fruit itself once it starts growing. And there's a few of those, we call them pests, don't, we don't even have them up here because they can't overwinter. So then can you take me through kind of your a brief overview of your year from when you plant and your harvest window so that we can get an idea, because you've already t- touched on quite a few of the differences, but kind of paint that picture of just really how you compare to maybe the central farmers that we're used to. Pretty much all the same annual operations and processes. It's just uh, maybe a little bit shorter. Cranberries are perennial, so we don't have to replant them. We've got some that were planted in the 60s and still producing well above the state average. It's just the beds that are either out of elevation compared to the other beds on the farm or a variety that was planted that uh, never panned out like they thought it might have. And now we're moving towards earlier varieties that turn red earlier in the year, so we can start harvest a little bit earlier, so we're not harvesting now. We finished harvest two weeks ago now. So it makes it a little bit easier on us and our equipment and, and the harvest process. But overview of the year, once the ground frost has gone out and the snow has melted, which this last year it wasn't until early May, which is kind of late, uh, the cranberry plants emerge from dormancy and start to grow. And they'll put about three inches of new growth above last year's growth from their bud that they set. And then on top of that, they'll set anywhere from two to two to five berries on average. And then we fertilize according to uh, plant needs. Water management is pretty critical because they have a uh, six-inch root zone, so we have to keep the water table just below that. So they're growing dry, but we want to keep the water accessible to the plant so they don't dry out, and then we 
have tensiometers across all feds to make sure we're irrigating where we need to. And then uh, we have an integrated pest management plan where we we scout beds weekly or even more than weekly if we know there's a hot spot somewhere to find where we need to spray pesticides if needed or certain beds or blocks for the entire farm occasionally. And then usually mid-September, third week of September, I think this year we started harvest and that takes us this year took 10 days, uh, roughly 500,000 pounds a day. And then it seems like it's almost busier after harvest with cleanup and usually renovate a bed or two every year. We haul a scalp off about six inches of that overburden. And then in the winter, we'll flood the entire farm when it gets really cold. So we try to freeze a block of ice above the vines, and that acts like a blanket and protects that bud that was set that following season. That'll be next year's growth, and that'll keep the bud either frozen in ice or, or it won't let it dry out from the cold, dry winter wind. So you mentioned harvest is complete for you guys. So how was harvest? How did things look compared to past years for you? It was about average, which totally happy with that. Last year we had a bumper crop and the cranberries are somewhat cyclical where they falling year after a big crop is usually a little bit, little bit lower. So we expected that and things went really smooth and had really good weather and went really well. What challenges, if any, did you have to face then throughout the season? A lot of it's weather, which is out of our hands. <laughs> Most of it's all out of our hands. Growing season, if it's Cool weather, we get uh, honeybees to pollinate. So if there's poor poor pollinating weather, you know, if it's cloudy or windy, cool days, honeybees don't want to work as well. So it might not be as good pollinating. And that's making sure all of our equipment is cleaned and working properly to make sure it can get in, the, get in the equipment and use it as it should um, so we're not in the shop fixing things. And with you guys being farther north, how does that affect your labor force or transportation even? How do you feel about moving your berries to wherever they need to be in the supply chain aspect of things. Sure. So we're part of Ocean Spray Cooperative, so we grow our own co-op. Um, so we have a screener agreement that we have with them where we clean and bin our fruit into 1,200-pound or 1,300-pound wooden bins to do that on the farm, which is pretty unique. Uh, most people go to the Ocean Spray receiving station to have that done. So Ocean Spray and us work with logistics of trucking our fruit, which goes to a freezer three hours from here, which is, you know, takes more trucks on the road, which we just have a, a trucking company do that, but it takes a little more logistics instead of just running, you know, 20 minutes to the road to the, to the nearest freezer or, or receiving station. Workforce-wise, my brother and I have changed a lot of our processes out here, so it's less labor-intense, where we used to have six or more people standing in waders in the water, bringing the fruit to the to the machine that pulls the cranberries out of the water, where now we'd have... Uh, mechanizing it so we just have a tractor on the side that hard to imagine but it tightens a, a big crowd of berries around it so it's not so nobody's in the water and we eliminated five jobs by doing that and a few other things similar to that where we used to have 20 people and now we we're down to about half that for harvest help so it makes it a lot easier on everybody and and a lot of northern wisconsin has a lot of retirees so a lot of the jobs are tractor driving and dump truck driving which a lot of retired uh, men usually and women want to just come out and drive something for two to three weeks and instead of standing out in freezing cold weather and waders. So we've been pretty fortunate with help since we've mechanized a lot more. And you guys are also a recent finalist for the 2023 Wisconsin Leopold Conservation Award. So can you tell me a little bit more about your conservation efforts and what unique things you guys have done on your operation that have helped you to be able to be noticed for this award? Yeah, a lot of it's um, almost intrinsic in who we are in our operation. But we, you know, like I said, we have an integrated pest management plan that that we write and scout for pests ourselves. So in the winter, I write the plan. And then summer, we, myself or brother, are out scouting our fields to make sure we 
don't have pest issues, soil management or water management. We have tensiometers and have had tensiometers for over 10 years now to measure water um, tension in the in the soil profile instead of just you know sticking your finger in and thinking you need to irrigate where we've reduced how much we irrigate because our you know we're going by data not just a not just a farmer opinion and then we've also taken upon ourselves to try to keep native pollinators closest to the farm as we can by planting pollinator uh, prairies which we've totally seen the benefit of having a lot more bumblebees and butterflies all, all over and finally I think the other thing is we switch to softer pesticides that we use where we don't spray broad-spectrum pesticides anymore, and we haven't for 10 to 15 years or more, where we're spraying a, a pesticide that will that targets a specific pest and leaves all beneficial insects like spiders out in the field, which spiders actually eat some of our pests. So we, we like spiders and, um, you know, just little, really small spiders, but they eat pests, so it's, it's that many less pesticide applications that we have to do. So there's a lot of little things that, that add up to uh, trying to keep the soil and land in the best shape we can. And you guys are using the leaves from your plants and selling them to local gardeners and landscapers. Can you tell me why you do that and what's the benefit of using these leaves for them? It's a byproduct of our harvest process. So there's 500 other acres of cranberries around us. And we all put our, our leaves that come off of our harvest process on our piles. So we have a couple thousand yards of this material, which normally would be paying to get rid of uh, or land spreading you know, somewhere on somebody's property. And... A while back, someone had the idea we should start selling it as compost. So we, we turn it all winter long, all summer long. And then uh, two years later, we start selling it to local gardeners to either, you know, they top dress their gardens with it or plant right in it. And it's uh, neutral in pH and it gets up to 140 or 150 degrees when we're turning it. So it kills all wheat seeds. So there's no seeds that are, you know, grass or any seeds that are coming going with it. So it's really clean material. It's really light and uh Gardeners absolutely, absolutely love it up here. And we've had a lot of people call from southern Wisconsin and all over the state and Minnesota looking for it, but it's more of a, you know, within a 100-mile radius or so that we sell it. That was David Bartling, owner of Bartling's Manitowish Cranberry Company. Wisconsin produces 60% of the nation's crop, making us the top cranberry-producing state in the country, and Bartling plays a key role in that accomplishment. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.